Coaches, are you looking for a way to level up and win more? Then you should check out GMS Plus, your on-demand source for the best, most proven volleyball courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. You can learn from the game's greats, such as John Spraw, Mike Wall, Heather Olmstead, Keegan Cook, and Courtney Thompson. Whether you're trying to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will get you there. You can get 20% off an annual subscription by going to goldmedalsquare.com CYBO and entering the coupon code CYBO. That's goldmiddlesquare.com slash CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. Can I ask you, I want to take a step back a little bit and kind of ask you, because a lot of the questions that seem that you're engaging with in athletes um, seem fairly high level Mm -hmm. as far as you're really trying to get into an athlete's awareness of themselves. What about if you're dealing with um, athletes that, 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 that are still just barely discovering, we're talking like high school age, age athletes, um, even a lot of the college where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that this is important. All this stuff is important, right coach. But I want to, I want to side out at a high level. I want to be able to serve tough. I want to do all these things. And, and you're talking about, you know, soul, heart, mind, and all that kind of stuff. What just tell me the technique and I'm going to make it happen how would you emphasize the importance of all of this to an athlete who seems like they just are stuck on the outcomes? And I don't know if that's a fair question, but I, we, no, I run I mean, into I think, that a lot. <laughs> I, it, well, it is a fair question because there is so much emphasis on the outcome and understandably so. I mean, again, the whole entire sports world is designed around winning and losing. Somebody gets a gold medal and other people either get a silver, bronze or nothing, right? Um, my coaching style or my, my interaction style is really to always get to the root of why, what makes the outcome so incredibly important. And working with athletes to understand And this is a tough message too, is, you know, you know, keeping your eyes on the prize is actually what can work against you in actually achieving it and driving their understanding that nothing is guaranteed and nothing can be handed to you to get you the outcome that you want. And you're right, this is really high level stuff and it's really cerebral and it really kind of goes against what, you know, a lot of the conventional thinking of what conventional thinking exists in the sport world and looking at them and saying, there is no silver bullet to get to the outcome that you want. You can put in all the hard work. You can do everything your coach asks you to do in practice, but none of it is guaranteed until you figure out what really is going on through your mind and how that's influencing where you want to go or what you want. And if you're not getting there, diving deeper into that world. Thank you for that. It's, 
it's it, it's it's a thing I think a lot of us like to engage in in this type of conversation with our players, and it's difficult sometimes, especially like I run into that quite a bit where players like they just, I just want to hit harder, <laughs> and then, you know you have to dive into why and why does it matter and what's going to happen when you do, um, and then it also leads to sort of my next question, which which say you do develop into this unbelievable player and you do have all the success. And then you have this uh, thing that's known as imposter syndrome. Um, can you talk a little bit about why it's so common, even amongst athletes who have potentially done some of the work and then get, get to where they're successful and they still have that? Yeah. Imposter syndrome is, um, it's an interesting phenomenon among humans, right? And can certainly be among the athletic world. In my experiences, that can come from the idea that athletes are on the success that they achieve, despite the fact they have put in all the work and they've done everything and they've you know, found a way to reach this um, significant level of performance. And, you know, this is actually the first time I've ever really, really kind of thought of this too, you know, particularly here in the U S you know, we tend to have this, oh, dare I say kind of factory setting in terms of, you know, we have a lot of great athletes here in the United States and we build them up and we put them on pedestals and we, we honor the, the talents that they bring to the world. But then the moment that, you know, there's always someone behind you, there's always something, you know, to strive for, to go bigger, to go better. Um, and I would venture to guess that plays into it as well of, you know, you're consistently fighting for this level, this place, this position, you know, to always be on top. And then when you finally get there of, oh goodness, you know, will someone find out I'm not as great as I actually am because someone right behind, there's someone right behind me who's you know, doing as much, if not a little bit more than me, are they going to find out I'm not as great as I, as I, as I was, or am, or everyone thinks that I am. Um, I think a lot of that is really a root of kind of just how we look and treat athletes as a society. And then I think that imposter syndrome creeps back up again, even more once an athlete retires or leaves the game of, Hey, I was really great over in this space as an athlete. And now in my non-athletic life, I'm worried people are going to find out. I don't necessarily really know what I'm doing in this realm. And will I be seen as powerful, as talented, as insert adjective as I was in my athletic life. And I think you see both sides of it once they're in the game, you know, hoping people don't find out that maybe there could be someone better than them. And then once they come out of the game of, oh gosh, this is a whole new world I've never been a part of. And I don't want anyone to find out. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe this uh, segues into this next question. When I was emailing about topics, uh, one of the things mentioned was examining the value of your work. Um, I guess, what do you mean by that? And why is that important for athletes? So it kind of goes back to this concept of, you know, performance equals um, connection times ease. And I don't know about you guys, but every athlete that I've ever talked to, you know, when I ask what it was the best performance you ever had, nine times out of 10, they'll say something like, 
I don't, I don't know. It, I, it just happened. Like it, it kind of all just came together. I wasn't really thinking about anything. And Nils, that kind of goes back to the, well, I just want to be a better hitter, right? That, that concept of, you know, sometimes you just kind of got to let go in order to get what you want. Right. Um, so, you know, that's where we're talking about peak performance is that ease, but in order to get to ease, in order to know that you can just let go, there's all the work that leads into that, right? Because a lot of athletes, and understandably so, value the hard work that they put in, the challenges they faced every single day in practice, and recognizing that you put so much into this craft. And that's where this whole thing kind of kind of blows up and back to knows your question of you put so much hard work into this. You're always facing challenges and in order to reach your optimal performance. Once you've gone there is to just let go and back to that confidence and self-trust of knowing that you've done everything you possibly could mentally, physically, emotionally, relationship wise, whatever, going back to those six factors of knowing that you've put the work in and that's what allows you to enter into a performance and to let it happen so that you can just be in that moment versus trying to force yourself into something and actually working against yourself and not finding ease. And that's what, you know, the, the beauty of athletes is that they put so much work into this and they develop so many powerful skills because of the years they put into the sport and just honoring and embracing what you've put yourself through and what you know you can get through. And then being able to let go and say, hey, I've got it all behind me. This is my opportunity to shine. So when you have an athlete um, that like looks good in practice and then really struggles with the performance aspect in games, what's a coach's role? How, how would a coach guide a player like that? most optimally potentially. Yeah. Well, you know, that comes up a lot too. And, you know, as I dive into this work, you know, of working with athletes of having that natural extension to the coaches and, you know, part of my work too, can be working with the coach of the team and really understanding, you know, what's most important to that player. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll give my own example, right. I've having swum for 17 years and between four different teams, I think I had close to 40 coaches. If I I went back and added it up, right. And I've got kind of my top three list. And then I've got, you know, some that fall farther down the list. And, you know, some of the greatest coaches that I ever had are the ones that I had the deepest connection to were the ones who allowed me the space to explore it. So I'll I'll give an example. And, and, And I think that translates to all coaches of rather than say, or rather than tell or give advice or make declarative statements, ask questions, right? Get the athlete to open up and help to understand. Uh, Cause I was, you know, I'm starting to work with an athlete who's a baseball player and is exactly what you described in practice, it's great. It's also a pitcher, phenomenal. But when he steps up to the bat, that's when things start to fall apart. He's stepping out of the box. He's missing hits. 
and in working with him, it's that there's, he's perceiving it as a lack of control of the ball being thrown to him versus being in full control of how he steps up to the bat and swings. And so from a coach's perspective of one, asking questions and allowing the athlete to open up to then give an idea of where they're coming from and what's going through their mind versus making an assumption that either they're just falling apart at the plate because for whatever reason, but for him, it's more about he wants to be in complete control. And what he's doing is giving his control away by focusing on the ball coming toward him versus him being in complete control of the bat leading to the ball. And so, you know, allowing coaches to have that open space and versus make assumption, open up the possibility to really understand where the athlete's coming from. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, the, the only follow-up thing that I would, that comes to my mind is, is do you have potentially like a bank of questions or anything that a coach can start with? Um, and I only ask that because efficiently asking questions to get an athlete to open up is a challenging thing to do, even if you've had no training in it. And then mm -hmm. it's also very time consuming. And I know a lot of the coaches that listen probably don't necessarily have have the time to have even like a 10, 15 minute conversation multiple times a week or every practice with their athletes to really get them to open up. So is there, is there a way to potentially just ask a, a good question or some good questions that you have uh, that we could use as coaches? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually wrote a blog post about this uh, and there, it's out there and has a list of questions. So things like, um, and, and again, I recognize that in the moment, in the game, that can be challenging, right? Of opening up and have that conversation. But, you know, in those downtimes or during training of getting into the habit of asking those questions, um, actually one of the greatest questions, and I don't know if you guys have read John O'Sullivan's book, Every Moment Matters. No, I'm going to write that down. That's a great book. And one of the questions from that and giving him full credit is, what is one thing you want me to know in order to coach you most effectively? That's a great question. Right. And so, you know, it opens the door for the athlete to, you know, come up with anything. And, and in working with coaches, one of the things I also say is that, you know, you may have athletes that can't articulate that. They know, but maybe they have trouble articulating it. So some follow-up questions is, could be like, what motivates you? What gets you out of the bed in the morning? But on the flip side, asking the opposite questions of, well, what demotivates you? What do you hate doing? What gives you the most anxiety when you think about uh, playing a game or whatever the case may be? And what I often tell them is asking opposite questions of, you know, asking uh, questions on same coin, um, different side you start to unravel in terms of, okay, this is where the athlete really shines. This is what they hate doing and, and provides a little bit more insight into how the coach can then approach the athlete. And, you know, kind of Neil's going back to your point that, you know, sometimes in, during the game, you can't ask these questions, can't open it up of just one simple question is what were you thinking out there? And, and not in a defensive way of like, well, what the hell were you thinking out there? It was more of, what truly was running through your mind when you were up at the plate or, or, you know, at the net or whatever the case may be and just gaining insight. And then the coach can process that. He may not have an answer. He or she may not have an answer in the moment, but can gain an understanding of 
okay, if you start to see patterns in the athlete, continuing to ask what's going through their mind and then coming back and being able to work with the athlete in a different way to, to unravel that. And one of the biggest challenges that keeps coming up and a lot of the feedback is, you know, coaches haven't had this kind of training. They haven't had the mental side of the training. And that's, you know, a, a natural extension of our organization has been, yeah, we started with the athletes, but now we're starting to find that coaches either are desiring this kind of training or it's almost necessary in order to be able to support the athlete in a different way because the mental side of the game is gaining more uh, exposure and more airtime in that respect. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it, like the uh, idea of asking an athlete what gives them anxiety uh, triggers all kinds of red flags in me. Like that, that is a word that as soon as they, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as they, say that word, it's almost like a red flag. We need to get you into a counselor to make sure that we handle this in a clinical setting because I'm a coach and I, I'm not trained to be handling, handling anxiety. Now, if it's game performance, okay, we can, you know, you can, you can you're, you're talking about the same things from a backdoor perspective, but there are some hot button issues yes. that potentially you want to avoid. Uh, that, that, that's interesting as you, as you go about this in the, in, in the performance realm. Yeah. Um, and can, can, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's a great call out, right? The idea of anxiety, right? That word has stuff all over it, right? Um, or, or to your point of asking the question, what stress is, what, where do you feel stress in the game or something like that, right? That, so it's kind of the same question, but again, not necessarily getting to kind of that deep, deep, deep level, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, do we need to bring a counselor or a therapist or, or a different kind of professional in to, to deal with that, but great call out. And I appreciate you, you saying that. Well, so do you think there's some things um, like any practical things that coaches can do to kind of bake in uh, building the mental side of the sport? Yeah. So um, I always kind of go back to, and this is, this is a part of John, John O'Sullivan's book too. And every, uh, every moment matters is that they um, George Washington university just study and surveyed, I don't remember how many thousands of student athletes from eight to 18. And they asked, what do you wanna see most from your coach? And the top five answers in this order were respect and encouragement, a positive role model, uh, an effective communicator, their technical skill, and a good listener, right? So of the five, just one was the technical skill. So from a practical standpoint, first and foremost, right? Going just with respect and encouragement, of practically speaking, of just being a, a phenomenal, decent human, right? And, you know, oftentimes and understandably as a coach, you expect a lot out of your athletes, right? That's, that's, that's part of the job. And, you know, how do you then show respect to each of your athletes is one is understanding where they're coming from and knowing that you can't treat all of them exactly the same. And from an encouragement standpoint, a practical practical would be like in that moment, if you're as a coach, or if you're feeling kind of angry or stressed, encouraging the athlete versus tearing them down, even if they didn't make the play or the, you know, didn't swim the way you wanted them to, or whatever the case may be of like, Hey, I know this just wasn't your day. There's an opportunity that we can work together moving forward in terms of 
making different choices in the, in the future, right? So just showing that encouragement daily, even when it's, or especially when they're really tough days. Um, and then from a communication standpoint, one of the things that, you know, I've, I've worked on with coaches is I don't know, the idea of a coaching philosophy, right? And, and we kind of touched on this before of, you know, what are the three to five words that are most important to you as a coach, writing those down, defining them for yourself, right? Because if we sat down, the three of us would probably come close to something similar, you know, joy, competition, um, commitment, uh, trust, whatever the case may be. But the three of us may all define those differently. And so from a communication standpoint, what could be really practical for, practical for coaches is writing those three to five words down, right? And that becomes the basis of the team culture and how the coach makes the decision or the filter through which the coach communicates, right? So setting that stage of this is what I believe as a coach. This is how I'm approaching the culture of the team. This is what I want to see from all of you guys. And then being able to communicate that because um, oftentimes you guys may have experienced this too. As an athlete, it's a really special bond between an athlete and a coach. And you want to, you always want to feel that they're making the best decision, you know, in you, for you or, or, or keeping you in mind, you know, to make the most effective decision for you as a, as an athlete. But sometimes that line of communication isn't always open, particularly for the younger athletes, right? You know, a coach may not necessarily completely divulge why they're making a decision the way they are. And then the athlete's stuck sitting there like, well, what the hell? Why am I not on the relay? I swam faster than her last time. What, what gives, right? And just being open and communicative of here's why I made this decision. And I recognize that you may not agree with it. And I recognize that this may be really hard to deal with. We could certainly have a conversation about it, you know, and understand right now, this is my decision. So I, I, again, the practicality is just kind of the, the simple actions that we as humans engage in every day and just taking it to that athletic relationship. Cool. Lauren, we have two more questions to send you out with, Yeah, I guess, um, like, post-career, all the stuff you've been learning and working through, um, what's one important idea or concept you wish you could go back and tell your younger self if you were coaching yourself? Relax. Um, Relax. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you think you would have listened if, you, if, if a coach said relax? No, because I didn't in the moment because mm. um, all of them told me to relax. Um, in all seriousness, to go back and coach me of your worth is already established and it has no bearing whether you win this event, whether you are on the podium, though it's understandable because of how much you love this sport. So how can you always believe and have that confidence and that self-trust that what you're, that what you've done, your worth is already there. The sport just allows you to bring that worth to the table. That was probably my biggest lesson learned. And if to go back and have someone teach me that I don't have to believe everything I think about myself. And there's an opportunity that your worth already exists. 
swimming just lets you bring it to the surface. I think that's a lesson a lot of athletes could use at all levels. Um, so final question, uh, do you have any tips on athletes making the transition to a life outside of sports? Oh gosh. Yes. Um, first and foremost, take a pause. And by that, I mean, you know, when you're done, allow yourself to celebrate what you accomplished and grieve, grieve the exit from the sport. I'd have to say that was probably my biggest miss. I, uh, I didn't end my swimming career on the highest note. Um, my very last meet was one of the worst that I had in my career. But I recognize now is because I never prepared myself for the exit, despite the fact I knew it was coming. And that's where it comes back to what I was saying before about taking a pause is I knew it was coming, but I was so focused on the sport. I put all of my efforts there. And then the minute I touched the wall for the very last time, that's when it hit me like a wave. And then it hit me again a week later. And I completely just brushed it aside and didn't deal with it at all until 17 years later when I finally figured out why it was so hard is because I didn't give myself enough time to say, Hey, you've accomplished a great deal over the last 17 years. It's an opportunity to celebrate and you have the opportunity to grieve a little because it was such a huge part of your life. Mm, that's a good message. Well, yeah. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for uh, coming on and for just everything you're, you're doing kind of as you said the olympics and a lot of things lately with mental health have kind of highlighted the importance of this topic and i think the coaches listening and athletes listening can uh, get a lot out of this and i just yeah thanks for what you're doing and i hope uh, yeah you get a spot on team usa swimming <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much i appreciate being here um and for anybody listening all the listeners if you've gotten anything from this podcast which i'm sure you have please share it with one person yeah. And where, if our listeners want to dig in more, um, about your stuff, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, LaurenAmmon.com. And then, uh, I'm also most active on LinkedIn under Lauren Ammon, um, ACC, which are you know, my coaching. Credentials, so. Awesome. Well, t thanks, thanks for taking the time to teach us. Thank you guys yeah, so Lauren. much. I appreciate it. <laughs>